John asks, how can banks and credit unions create, quote unquote, true relationships without human contact? Well, that's a great question, John, and one that I look forward to talking through with you on this episode of Banking on Digital Growth. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Clarity Call series, where James Robert sits down for a conversation with someone in the digital growth community to provide clarity into the biggest digital marketing, sales, and leadership questions others have. If you'd like to join James Robert for a future conversation, text your question right now to 832-549-5792. And remember, the only bad question is the question that goes unasked. Let's get into today's Clarity Calls conversation. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 122nd episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the brand new Clarity Call series, and I'm excited to welcome John Voriz to the podcast. John is the Director of Distribution Strategy and Business Development at TerraStrat, a new kind of strategy firm where human intelligence meets artificial intelligence. Welcome to the show, John. It is good to have you today. Yeah, great being here. Thanks. For- Before we get into your question, and a, a mighty good question it is for, for this Clarity Calls, I'm, I'm always like to start out on a positive note. What is going well for you? What is what is just good and positive in your world right now, personally or professionally? It's, it's your pick, man. So I'll give you two. A personal note, I became a, a grandfather 20 months ago for the very first time. Congrats. Uh, thank you. And uh, two weeks ago, my granddaughter and her brought her parents, but my granddaughter came up and visited for a week. And the, uh, she's basically grown up during COVID, which has severely limited her interactions with other people and the like. And every time we've gotten together, it's as if we're strangers. And she understands the danger stranger kind of concept. But this last time she let me pick her up and hold her and walk her around. She took me by the hand and went and showed the animals at a park we went to. It was heavenly, you know, being able to make that breakthrough. And then professional, I think that the thing that I'm most blessed with is I'm a trained geographer. Really? My degree's in economic geography. And, you know, it's one of those degrees that people go, well, how do you make money at that? Well, I've made a career over 40 years doing distribution strategy, which is economic geography, right? It's the retail side of urban planning. Right. And I've been able to use it for my entire 40-year career. And so every morning I wake up doing the thing that I love to do. And I'm planning on continuing to work as long as I continue to love what I can do. If you can find that in your career, go with it. But if you wake up every morning hating your job, uh, you got to go do something else. I I, I have the same sense that you love what you do, James. I, you know, I do. And it's such a blessing because it's, 
it's not work. Like, um, exactly. I, I, I'm in an executive coaching program and they've always talked about retirement. Like, and, and I see this with people. I see people that retire and things just don't go as well as they thought or they had expected. And so for me, my mindset, and I think that's a unique opportunity because if when you're working with your mind, say more than your body, mm-hmm. you as long as your mind stays healthy, you can do this as long as as possible so my people have always asked well when when do you want to retire i was like i don't i don't i want to keep doing this as long as i'm having fun and you know creating value and finding enjoyment because it 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 comes back to the 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 point of your question here and 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 the question that you had asked me it's about relationships and and to me that's what this is all about just I, i the amount of people that I've been able to meet through this podcast, we're almost, you know, we're approaching 150 episodes now in a little bit over a year, the, just to, to be able to meet new people and have good conversations. It's, it's fantastic. And your question that you ask, and we'll talk through this is you said, how can banks and credit unions create quote unquote, true relationships without human contact? And can you provide some context into this question sure. uh, for, for some just additional clarity here? Sure. sure. So, you know, you're talking about loving what you do. So I, I've i spent some, I don't know, 80,000 hours studying distribution strategy. And there's always new things to learn. So I, I basically wake up in the morning and I get to read, I do research, I write, I craft speeches. And I think that's that's my job. So keeping my brain focused on those things, on on whatever the new topic is, always keeps me charged. So when I was thinking about what's happened over the last couple of years, so when you think about the banking and credit union industry, I'm and so I'm all about the physical channel, right? The physical channel branches exist to gather low-cost deposits, yep. which can then be used to fund lending in a variety of other ways, right? You don't always Correct. have to do a loan through a physical channel. It's easier to give money to people digitally than it is to gather money from people digitally. Correct. Right. But what's happened is that there are factors that are influencing your ability to do that. In fact, I'm I'm working on an article around this. So so think about it like this. You've got, how do you grow a, a new branch? Well, you acquire new customers. You cross sell existing customers, additional accounts, try to get more and more of their business. And you, by keeping your customers longer, you grow their balances over time as their incomes go up and things like that, right? So those are the three principal drivers. Well, in the last 20 years, the number of people who move, change residences, which is the number one driver of people changing the bank, has gone from 16% a year to 9% a year. So there's far fewer people moving, therefore there's far less churn, therefore it's harder to acquire. Right. Customer, right. And then the industry's done it. We keep introducing digital channels to drive people away from us. Right. Well, we really don't want to talk to you. You can just do it on your own. And in fact, if you try to talk to them, as I did recently with a, a financial services firm, you call up the 1-800 number and you have to answer 27 layers of questions. And while you're waiting for each of the next layers, they keep reminding you, you could do this on our online or mobile channel. It's like, I don't want to do that. So they're doing things to drive traffic away. Well, number one reason, uh, number one way you cross sell accounts is through teller referrals. 
Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Teller volume's going away. So it's harder to get new customers. It's harder to cross-sell. And then the third is growing balances. Well, in the last two years, all of a sudden, we've seen huge stimulus payments being pushed out. So balances are up, but it's artificial. It's not going to last. It's basically, it's covering an underlying issue, which is your ability to drive sales to gather people is getting harder and harder. And then you, you layer in, you know, external things like all these fintechs and neobanks that are coming in and what they're doing is they're stripping off the fringes, right? They're, yep. they're going after, so Chime, their target audience is younger, lower income people living paycheck to paycheck and the like. So all of these factors going on and yet everyone is saying the future is digital. The future is digital banking. I often get into debates about branches going away. They're not going away. So that, that it was all that context I kept thinking about it because if people really want to create a relationship with their customers, which is what everyone, if you listen to them, it's relationship banking is the key to do this, then how do you do that when you don't actually want to talk to me? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a fantastic question, and it's one of the reasons why I wrote Banking on Digital Growth and have a formulaic approach, DX plus HX equals growth. The digital experience plus the human experience will lead to growth because I'm a, I don't believe digital alone, digital in a silo, it will lead to any growth. I, I, I'm even seeing now... In, in doing research around the digital only experience and like, you know, why people keep coming back and saying, oh, Amazon's a threat. And I'm like, but are they? Have you tried to get in touch with a human being at Amazon? Even Chime, research is now coming out showing Chime, there's a level of friction and frustration when everything's fine and dandy, everything's fine and dandy. But when you need to get in touch with a human being at Chime, Chime is sending them through chatbots. Chime is sending yeah. them through email. And that's frustrating a lot of people who, well, wait a minute. The grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. I even take a step back further and learning through the COVID experience, that formulaic approach of DX plus HX equals growth. I want to re, re I want to add another variable in there. EX, EX plus HX plus DX equals growth, meaning the employee experience must proceed a positive employee experience, must proceed a positive human experience that may or may not be delivered through a positive digital experience because it could be a face-to-face, it could be video, but the human element still has to be very, very real, particularly in a complex buying journey like a financial product. It's it's like healthcare. You can have remote digital healthcare up to a certain point, but then you're going to have to actually sit down and have some heart-to-heart conversations, right. do some diagnostic work, and really Someone's dive Someone's going to have to be hands-on at some point. At some point, exactly. Yeah. And we've, you know, financial, they're a $6 billion bank, and they're looking at maximizing their digital growth capabilities. And I said, it's not going to be done by digital alone. 
you're going to have to build this human element into this. And what they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got lead generation. Who's going to pick up those leads? A human being has to pick up those leads. You got to actually talk to them, schedule an appointment, whether that be through a Zoom or uh, in person. It doesn't matter. You still have to bring that human connection. And what we have found through our studies is the faster that you can get one human being in contact with another human being through a digital medium, there's a higher natural propensity for, and it's the human element, I I, I would say right here. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. So I agree with you hundred percent that it, the, the answer to the question is our future digital or physical is both. <laughs> they have to complement. Cause you, so here's, here's a couple different things. One is you mentioned Chime, right? Chime yep. is, you know, I think there are 12 million customers or something like that. And, and so if you go back and look at Chime's advertising of a year or so ago, right? It was all about, we'll get you your paycheck early. You get a debit card. Your life is easy, no fees, all that kind of stuff. And what they were finding at the time, though, is that through different research companies have come back to conclude that, yes, but the customers of mobile or digital only banks hate their banks, right? They, they, they don't like them as much as they like banks who still got branches and the like. And, and the reason because is they don't feel they have a relationship with them. Right. Right. It's very transactional, right? It, it's like, I don't really have a relationship with Amazon, but I probably order something three times a week. Right? It's very transactional. And when I have a problem, they actually do make it easy for me to return something and, and things like that. So they've solved that account management side of the issue by making it easy on the back end. So, so you apply that to banks now. Well, well, Chime, as they found out through all this growth, they haven't staffed up the human side of the equation enough. And so they actually had more consumer uh, complaints to the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Board than Chase did. Yep. And Chase has got like five times the customers. So, you know, you start thinking about, well, what are the ramifications? It, it's not an either or. It can't be an either or. And, and but, it, but it has to be a both. Because what's happening is that as we've introduced from a, from a customer's perspective, and this is where I do a lot of my thinking, I put myself in the customer's shoes. As they've been afforded new ways to transact, they don't trade off. 
what they do is they add the new channels to their menu of options. Right. And you've now given them a selection of options. And depending upon what I'm doing during the day, what my need is, let's say it's to make a deposit. Well, I may choose to do it with my phone. I may choose to drop it in ATM. And, or if it's a big deposit, I may choose to go into a branch. By having those options, that's that layer of convenience. Just like having a lot of branches and ATMs layer of convenience. That's what people want. They want to have choices for doing it. However, that deals with only the transactional side of the business. The number one reason people go to branches is because they have a problem. Yeah. Right. I screwed up. In, in fact, some of the research I recently did, it, it's hard to believe, but Gen Z uses branches as much as baby boomers. Right. Just for different reasons. Right. Gen Z does it because I screwed up. I don't know how any of this stuff works. How can I be out of money? I still have checks. Right. But whereas boomers do it for the security reasons. Yeah. And, and so I, th- I think and, that's I think that's where the the opportunity lies though particularly with a new line of possible income non-interest income and and you see you see ally going away from nsfs you, you see a lot of yeah. larger nationals starting to move that direction so what's going to that impact to drive down to say the community bank and the credit union level are they going to follow suite with that well then how are they going to replace that for me it's almost financial coaching financial like actual coaching to where i have a a coach you got the financial gym out of new york who's doing this they got a monthly membership fee of about 95 dollars a month that can that coaching can be delivered digital remotely or maybe you sit down on a quarterly basis with your coach a monthly basis whatever the cadence is and you go through and you solve the tough problems together and you give people a choice too maybe you charge a premium if they want that that face-to-face in-person experience and then maybe if it's a a digital or remote well maybe it's a different level of membership so to me yeah i i I totally agree i'm sorry to cut you up i think in fact the way you do so advice right people are talking about banks are going to become advisory centers but the type of advice someone who's 25 needs is different than the type of advice someone who's 55 needs, right? Absolutely. And, and the, so the, the Gen Z is looking to become educated. They recognize they don't know everything. Millennials think they know everything and they want transactional convenience. Gen X is sitting there going, oh my God, retirement is coming up and I haven't saved anything, right? right? So they need, they're the ones who truly need advice, uh, financial advice, like investment advice and the like. And, and, and boomers are sitting there, half the boomer, you know, I'm a peak baby boomer, right? And I'm the youngest of five kids. So all my siblings are the front edge of the boomers. And, you know, they're looking for security. Listen, I've built up enough wealth, I can retire. I just don't want to screw it up. And I want you to be there. To, I want you to have my back. Right. And so you need different things at different times. So thinking, I've, I've been thinking about education. Well, how does it in, take in information? Right. So why are banks and credit unions doing, you know, 90 second or three minute, you know, short videos? If I'm, if I'm, I, I bought a new house recently. And so there's always new things to learn, like how do you adjust these, you know, brackets on your uh, kitchen shelves and things like that. Well, there's, you go to YouTube, you type it in, and there's a little video about it, right? So how do checking accounts work? 
How do late fees work? How, you know, all these different things could be a suite of educational things for, for the, the younger generations who want it. But then you could think about as you go up, it could be one-on-one advice for Gen X, right? It, it right. could be without having to sit down with a financial planner or something. It, it could be just help me understand these kind of things. But it all gets back to there's a human doing that, right? You know, it's not a chat box. There's a, there's a, there's a human who is educating these, these folks. But the, but the other big piece of this is if you put yourself in the shoe of the consumer, right? I'm willing to give up my contact with humans at my financial services provider for all the routine stuff. But when I have a problem and I choose to solve it by either picking up the phone or going into a, a, a physical building to talk to someone, that better be a perfect experience. You better solve my problem and make me really happy because otherwise that's the only thing I'm going to think of. Yes. And, and that is where I believe that idea of experience, the micro experience yep. and micro experiences has the potential to beat the macro um, micro in a digital world can beat the macro. My wife ordered some towels off of an online retailer, not Amazon. It was, she was looking for something very specific. Matuk is, I believe the brand and uh, this brand's been around for a very long time and ended up getting, you know, handwritten thank you note delivered with the towels, beautifully wrapped like high-end retail, but it was through an e-com experience and it really left an impression. Zappos, for example, right? Z- digital e-com retailer, but staffed by an amazing, and, and Tony Shea you know, passed away too early, but he he his mind was so far ahead of this idea of humanizing a digital shopping experience to where they wrote about it and delivering happiness i even think about this idea of financial coaching it's it's more than just showing someone what to do, but probably helping them reimagine their relationship with money because that you're getting into a whole psychological discussion rooted in you know family of origin and childhood and environment but but it's something that that we just can't do alone we it's why we go to the gym it's why we get that trainer it's why we get that additional layer of expertise but I think about the fitness industry and what the fitness industry has undergone. You've, you've got Peloton. Peloton has been successful, not because of the bike, but because of the accessibility to a human being, a coach. That, that's why they have the live classes because and, and, and also the community because there's that accountability factor too, I think, that... I'm more likely to be held accountable by John, even if John, you're through Zoom. The fact that, John, I know you're there, you're a real person, I can call on you, you can call on me and hold me accountable. I'm more likely to to transform positive behaviors because I don't want to let John down versus, say, a chat bot. Eh, it's a chat bot. Who cares, right? Right. I think I think that's the flesh and blood, even if it's not in the physical context, it's still knowing that John is going to be there. And, and you said something, too, before we hit record. It's this idea of people say that, oh, I got all these friends on social media. 
but is that really a relationship? Is that a, is that someone who's going to be there for you in your most di- di- dire time of need? Hmm. Yeah, the you know what what defines a relationship, right? Psychologists say that you can't have a relationship without human interaction. And does even now you and I are looking at each other and we're talking and we're many miles apart, you know, we have a relationship. Well, we, we may for this moment, right. If we do this enough, or if we talk enough, we, we, we may do that, we'll, but we'll see each other at conferences and the like, but it's not the same kind of relationship. I think you have with, you know, say your family or, or, you know, your friends or your people that you work with and the like, but Absolutely. I, I, I think the, the industry in total has been so cost avoidance, right? Has been the, has been the mantra, and that's why digital has come in and all these other kind of things. And 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 it's been great, but there's a limit because the other side of it is this balancing act. And I don't think anyone's got it right yet. None that I've mentioned. But so, so I was with Bank of America for 17 years, and so almost all my relationship was with Bank of America. Lots and lots of accounts. And I know the products really well. So when I pick up the phone because I have a problem, you know I've explored all the other options, right? And and you know, and I'm one of their preferred clients, and they send me all these nice notes and everything. It'll take ten minutes to get through their damn phone tree to right. be able to get to talk to a person. And then oftentimes the person I get on the other end of the line, I realize I may know more than they know. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like no no when I choose to talk to a person i want someone who's really good operationally right they know how things work and because i want them to fix something yep right and and so that i may have no issues at all all year you know and i might interact with the bank every day via the mobile device or my my computer but that one bad experience it's going to stick with me. And I, and I had one of those earlier this year and I can't keep letting it go. It got me to the point of, should I go through the pain and suffering of changing all my relationships? Right. And it was like, no. So what I ended up doing was I called the people I know within the organization still. And I said, listen, I think you've got a problem you may not be aware of. And I told them the story and we'll see if they do anything with it. But the, the, the new firm that I joined, the reason I joined is because we have some amazing AI-based programming tools that help make the decisions about where you put branches and ATMs so much more scientific than we could in the past. But even within that, part of my role at the firm is I bring in 40-some-odd years of experience you know, I think I've opened over a thousand branches and I've closed over a couple thousand. I've analyzed pretty much every market in the country. So I'm a sounding board for the models, yes. right? So when the models generate an output, it's, John, do they make sense? You know this market really well. And, and so combining the human intelligence or human experience with the AI intelligence and AI experiences, I can't do what the models can do. And the models can't do what I can do. It's that combination. It, yeah. It's your it's your formula, but for each of those interactions, there has to be an ease and a comfortability with it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's going to be a smart bank out there who's going to be heavy digital, but they're going to say, we're going to build up 
the biggest, baddest staffed call center yes. that's ever existed. And we're only going to, we're going to pay more. So we're going to get pros. We're going to get the best people we possibly can. That right there. Yep. And, and so when the, when, when a call comes in, the call gets routed from the first ring, not from, you know, 87 layers to get it to the right person. It's going to go to the person and they're going to say, how can I help you? And when you tell them what the problem is, they help you. Yes. That's where we have to be. And someone's going to say, it's worth it to build that model because I can take out some physical costs because I'm going to be able to serve those issues via the phone, which should still be cheaper than the physical. But I'm not going to sacrifice the experience we used to have when you would walk into the bank and sit down and talk to Mary, your banker. Yes, absolutely. And we were just having that conversation in a peer group this morning talking about how we must become more proactive in these relationships, whether they be in the real physical world or in the digital world, when someone, and that's where the data and the AI can come back into play because I can utilize some of that context, that history of who that person is and their behaviors and their, where they're at and where they're looking to go to facilitate a dialogue, to facilitate a conversation and then take a proactive stance in their life to provide that level of guidance and maybe even accountability because I'm being reminded that I need to do an outbound outreach just to check in on John to see how his progress is going based upon what we had talked about three months ago, that type of an experience. I think you're right. It's to me, those that can solve that problem will be far ahead than those who are just thinking about digital alone or thinking about physical alone but they're bringing the best of both worlds together as a hybrid. You, when you, when imagine a future where you call and you talk to someone at your bank and they resolve a problem for you. And then two weeks later, you get a call from them asking, did everything work out right? And the like, now you've got a friend, a relationship who's checking up on you and, and, you are much more receptive to having a second conversation with them. And that's how you end up doing cross-selling, like you acquire more of the business. One of the research things that, that I still remember was early in my career, we were studying what happens when someone walks into a branch on how do you place advertising in a branch. Mm-hmm. And we did in-depth studies with people. We'd have someone stand inside and outside a branch and we'd interview people as they're going in and coming out. Like, What we found was when someone's coming in to use a teller, their mind is engaged in one purpose. How long's the queue? How do I get to the teller? That kind of stuff. All our advertising was facing the door. So people would see it when they'd walk in. Well, what we learned was they don't take it in at all. Right. We flipped the sign so yep. they would see it as they're leaving the teller station. Different and we mindset. found that recall from those people was significantly higher because their mind had cleared of the task and now they're open to something. The same thing happens when you're on the phone and you've got a problem, right? If you've made a problem, a positive experience for me by solving it quickly and, yes. and correctly, then my mind's going to be open to all sorts of ideas. But I don't I don't see that happening, at least at the big players, 
And it could be a scale issue with the like. They've got to solve it because if if they if they want to keep reducing branches to limit your options with people, and they want to make it almost impossible to get someone on the phone, they're basically saying, "Well, we value your business. We just don't value you, <laughs> right? And because we really don't want you to talk to us." We want you to go away and just, you know, it, it's a friend of mine was at shopping at Walmart and posted a picture of their local Walmart. They had closed down all the manned checkout lanes and everything was self-service checkout. Right. And her comment, and so she was showing pictures of, of huge lines, of people, which big shopping carts doing self-checkout. And she goes, if whoever thought this was going to be more efficient, has to be fired yes. <laughs> because I didn't know when I came in here shopping, I didn't know I was going to become an employee at Walmart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so it, it's the, does the technique fit the expectation of your customer? And, you know, I, I, I think it, it's people need to really step back and say, human interactions are getting fewer and fewer. How do I make them the best possible interactions? Because those moments of truth yes. are what people will remember. And that's what they'll talk about. I, I still talk about my bad customer phone experience months after it's happened. And because it, it just it ticked me off so much. And when you think about those moments of truth, five popped to the top of my head. And, and this has been such a fantastic conversation with a great question today, John. But for the dear listener to really go back and review, you obviously you have the in-person physical experience. You have the phone call center experience. You have the video experience. You also have email and SMS. Yeah. You've got chat and in. And and then there's the the AI component, but 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 I think that's that's only one half of the equation because even then, how many times do those AI chatbots end up connecting over to a real live person to resolve that situation, to provide that help, to provide that hope? John, this has been a fantastic conversation, and I appreciate you joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Mr. Lay, thank you. If anyone is listening, has a question like John about digital marketing, digital sales, digital leadership, please reach out to me. Text me that question to gain clarity at to 832-549-5792. And I look forward to answering and talking together with you on a future episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Until then, and as always, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.